0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Well, at the moment, I'm more focused uh, to get everybody fit for the start of the season.
0: They are wrong because I think if I if, I'm, if I should make a move for the money, I think last season I have been playing for Barcelona or for Mina, for, Mina, for, Mina, for, Mina, for Mina. Would be pretentious to say that we signed anybody now. now, now. Not
2: at the moment. No no, no. 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 Not at the moment. No. No.
3: reasonable contact
1: Hello and welcome to another Arse blog ArsCast, cast right here on arseblog.oleole.com. A new season is upon us, a time for positivity, a time for hope, a time for optimism, unbridled optimism, and also a time for going, why haven't we signed any more players? Oh, please, let us spend some money. And that is the beauty of summer uh, and being an Arsenal fan. Uh, the other thing you could do is, why are injured already. That'd be another thing you could do. But, you know, we're not going to get involved in all that negative stuff on this particular ice cast. It's the first one of the season. We haven't even done anything to be awful and terrible yet, so we're not going down that road. No, we're going to look ahead to the new season with with a bit of joy, with a bit of hope in our hearts, because if you can't be up for it and excited and, and hopeful on the day before the season starts, provided you're listening to this on the Friday and not the day of the, the season starts, if you are, well, you know, that's your own fault. You should have listened to it yesterday, but if you can't be up for things at this particular time, well then, I don't know, maybe there's something wrong with you. You need to go see a doctor or a mental health specialist or probably just need to increase your booze intake that generally helps with things like that uh not if you're a taxi driver or a bus driver or a pilot or a surgeon though you guys don't get to do that in work like the rest of us you see uh coming up on this show uh very shortly i'll be chatting to good player and gilberto silver and we'll be looking uh, ahead to the season what's happened during the summer because there has been a few things, uh, obviously, have gone on during the summer, most of which have involved us uh, giving Manchester City players and them giving us huge amounts of, of money, which is no bad thing, really. Um, So we'll be discussing that. We'll be looking ahead to the season, uh, the start that we've got, the games that we've got coming up, the state of the squad at the moment. But we'll be discussing all that and looking ahead to our prospects for the season coming. Is there silverware on the horizon for Arsenal? Can this squad as it stands, can it do the business? Uh, That's all to come in the next few minutes with Good Player and Gilberto Silver from Gunnerblog. As well as that, I'll be chatting to the Lord of the Wing, uh, the uh, premier Celtic blogger, Uh, About our game against Celtic next Tuesday night. It's a big game for Arsenal. It's a big, big game for Celtic as well. Uh, And that is next Tuesday night in the Champions League. So we'll be finding out a little bit more about Celtic, their new manager, Tony Mowbray, and uh, what it's going to be like at Celtic Park if you're one of the travelling fans lucky enough to be going there uh, to watch that big, big game. The man in the bar will be along. He's got his uh, predictions for the season ahead and a look ahead to the Everton game, of course. Uh, the first game of the season, the injury news. Um, it's not the greatest, but we'll come to that a little bit later on in the show. I hope you've had a good summer. It's been a reasonably good summer here in Dublin. We had uh, some, some tremendous weather back in uh, the end of May, early early June. Um, barbecue weather, sitting outside in the sun, getting a bit pink kind of weather. But it's been warm this summer. That's the only thing. We've had, we've had our rain. This is Ireland, after all. We've had our rain, but um, for the most part... It's been very warm, which is good. And I hope, uh, however your summer has been, it has been uh, reasonably good. Uh, the Ars cast, of course, hasn't been running during the summer. I think uh, we all needed a break from each other. It's not that, you know, uh, familiarity breeds contempt or, or anything like that. But, you know, when there's nothing to talk about, really, you know, it, it becomes a bit of a stretch. So it was best off, and we all uh, regain our enthusiasm for the Friday mornings. Um, Over the course of the season, I'm sure there will be some new stuff coming. Um, You would think that during the the summer, I might sit down and and plan things a bit and say, well, maybe we could add this feature or that character or or something. Um, But unfortunately, I don't tend to work like that. Um, Planning and um, being organized are are not exactly my thing. Uh, And when ideas come, they just tend to come... um, when they come, whereas if you sit down and try and think about them, then you end up with really bad ideas. Like, uh, for example, the new character that I thought of, which was um, Johan Juru. He's part Jew, part kangaroo. See what I mean? And it was only after I made the jingle that I realized that that it probably wasn't, you know, very good. Uh, Have a listen.
4: Yo, hey, he's
3: part part kangaroo. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. So, uh, as you can see, it's probably best if I um, if I leave things until they occur naturally, rather than forcing them, because all that planning and sitting down and writing on paper and you know that that stuff is for people that work in offices. And no, I've done my time in offices. I'm never, you know, not ruling it out. Might happen again sometime, but at the moment, writing stuff down and thinking about it and planning and organizing and that, no, won't happen. So uh, who knows uh, what will uh, occur between now and the end of the season. But uh, the end of the season is very, very far away. We are only at the start of it. Uh, It's been an interesting summer, more or less, I suppose. We've uh, sold some players. We've only brought one in as it stands. And the start that we have could certainly uh, be easier. No question about that. So, now, to talk about all things new season, about our uh, potential, our prospects, about the squad, and everything else, I'm joined firstly by Gilberto Silver from GunnerBlog.com. Hello there. Hello there. And also GoodPlayer from GoodPlayer.com. Hello. Hello now, if I may start with you, um, Mr. Gilberto Silver, w- what do you make? Uh, I suppose we'll have to look back at what's happened in the summer, the transfer business that we've done so far from a player's going out point of view. Uh,
5: from a player's going out point of view, the, the main thing that I have to say is that we've done extremely well financially. Uh, we've got a lot of money in for players who either you know for various reasons, Arsenal has decided are now surplus to requirements. Um, And I think, you know, people will talk about we've sold them to a rival. Is there a potential danger there? Uh, At the end of the day, uh, I might be in a sort of decreasing number on this, but I trust the manager's judgment enough that if he's prepared to let a player go there, he doesn't think that what they can add to them is going to be particularly dangerous. Good player?
6: Uh, I couldn't agree more. I I, I agree with Arsene Wenger that you don't, you know, particularly think about your rivals. And basically, we just need to think about our points total. We need to get it up a bit, stop losing those stupid games and, and let Man City do whatever they want. And with all due respect to Man City, I, you know, I think someone said this week that they've, they've gone for the brides and they've got the bridesmaids in, in quite a lot of <laughs> cases. And, you know, we haven't, we haven't sold them Thierry Henry, have we? You know, it's, no. uh, it's Bayor and, and Kolo who have, you know, all due respect to Kolo in particular, you know, they're not Thierry Henry.
1: Colo in particular is, is definitely not Thierry Henry. Um, no. no. Uh, we may have uh, other departures. Um, I, I know uh, there's a lot of talk about Philippe Sandoros. I'm wondering, I mean, I was told a number of weeks ago that this deal was done, um, maybe from the players' point of view more than the club's point of view. Do you think there's possibly the, the managers looking at tomorrow's fixture and um, you know holding off on doing any deal until that's been completed?
6: I don't know, but there's something really fascinating that hasn't really been picked up on what he said. He said that if Senderos goes, then we'll look for another central defender. Now, what you've got to remember is Sendros was not part of the Arsenal squad last season. Uh, he was obviously away at AC Milan. So essentially what Arsenal is saying is that Sylvester is probably going to be bumped back from fourth choice to fifth choice central defender, whether that be Sendros, which seems unlikely because um, it feels as if his time is up, or whether it be a new defender. Um, and, and that shows that he is actually doing something, because I think Sylvester is fourth-choice. Fourth-choice plays quite a few games come the end of the season. You, know, you need one defender suspended and, and one injured, and, and then you've got your fourth-choice player. Fifth-choice, on the other hand, doesn't get a lot of action, and mm. I think Sylvester was quite gas-prone, if you like. So what Wenger is saying, that if, if Sandros leaves, he will go out and buy someone. I think
5: it's, it's very telling.
1: Uh, Gilberto Silva, I mean, he is... Uh, he is going to sell Sanderos, isn't
5: he? I think he certainly is. Uh, and then you are looking a bit light. I think the first three—Gallas, uh, from and Juru—to uh, me look quite strong. But beyond that, it's Sylvester or Song who is your centre-back is the midfielder. We're not really sure. Uh, it seems that we ought to bring someone in there, but I'm not convinced. You know, people talk about Hangeland. The kind of fee that you have to pay for a player like thats is is—we're talking sort of eight to ten million pounds, I guess. And I find it hard to see uh, Arsenal spending that on a fourth choice. Yeah, but or I mean, third choice. I mean, even. Yeah. Well,
1: this is true. But I mean, I suppose he's got to look a little bit at the fact that Gallis is in his last season, and I, I think we can take it as granted that Gallus isn't going to renew his contract for next season. So, well, we
6: took it as granted that Gallis wouldn't be here for this season. Mm. So. I... You yeah. never
5: know. But... Yeah, good point, I suppose. But I, mean... I also think he, he thinks very, very highly of Juru. I mean, my feeling is that in the long term, and I know it's a gamble, but you know, we know Arsenal has his faith in young players, that I think Vermalen and Juru is a pair that, that we've seen a lot in pre-season and that Arsenal may be thinking of in the longer term. So it's quite a difficult buy for him, but I suppose he oughtn't worry about it. He should just get the best available defender in. Hmm. Uh, but we know that's not always how the manager works.
1: Um, speaking of defenders, we, we talk about Vermalin and obviously he 's a new signing he 's been the only signing of this summer um everybody 's uh, excited because he 's new and he 's shiny and all that kind of stuff um it's hard to say what sort of a player he 's going to be, but um are we maybe uh, ho- hoping a bit too much? given the manager's record in, in buying centre-halves in recent years, when you look at the players that he has brought in in that position, Gallas, maybe we can set aside as being a little bit different because he was part of the coal deal, but you've got uh, Silvestre, you've got Stepanovs, you've got Seagan. Apart from Campbell again, uh, which is all those years ago, who came on a free, his record of buying centre-halves isn't particularly good.
5: Well, I think we've got... You're right, we've got all our hopes in, in a big Belgian basket, he's not even that big. Uh, but I, I think from what I've seen of him in pre-season, and it really is not hugely indicative, I appreciate, but he does seem to be a player who at least enjoys defending, and that really is what we just haven't seemed to have had for a good long time. I mean, Senderos, whatever you think of him, was at least a player who was fundamentally a defender who really sort of was interested in the art of defending if he wasn't quite the artisan that we have hoped at times mm. but that was his, his profession you know it's what his passport would have said and what we really hope is that Vermaulen is very much the same the same mould but with a greater degree of competence um, if he's not then we're really going to struggle because we have let an experienced reliable most of the time defender in Colo Torre go
1: Good play. any thoughts?
5: Yeah, I mean I mean the thing about defenders is that
6: more often than not when you buy them, they they're unproven at a certain level. There aren't that many, you know, defenders who we could have signed to you would have gone, Well he's top quality proven. You know, you're talking you're talking uh Rhea Ferdinand, you're talking John Terry, you're talking one or two others. But but most defenders, even if they've been playing, you know, for top clubs, they'd come and you'd uh, you'd have qualms about them. You know, people had qualms about Gallas when he came and Gallas was a pretty big player for Chelsea so I think if you look back to when George Graham put the famous back four together none of them were household names Kola Torre wasn't a household name when he came you know I, I think defence is slightly different to, to to say up front where, where you can have a, it's easier to buy the finished article if you like because defence in particular is about, is about not making mistakes a large part of it whereas, whereas up front you can make mistakes as long as you score the goals so um, I think it's slightly different but yeah I mean Arsenal's record doesn't Inspire huge confidence. Let's, let's be blunt.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, we have uh, money. We know that because I don't think we've ever sold um, players for that amount of money. Even if we take into account what um, we've spent since January on arshavin and Vermaelen, there's still, you know, a hefty chunk left over. The manager seems to have said a number of times that you know that money is available to him. Um, where do you think? we need players at the moment. And, and how many do you think we need? I'll give, it, I'll give that to a good player first. Um,
6: I think central defence has actually become the priority, which is quite a surprise. Um, the reason I say that is if you look, our fourth choice central defender is Sylvester. Um, our fourth choice central midfielder is, is either DRB or De Nielsen or Ramsey, depending on how you look at it. Now, I think any of those trio are less of a risk, less of a potential calamity than Sylvester is. So I think, I think central defence really is... The issue. Um, Song's progress has mitigated the need in central midfield to an extent, but I think um, I think another to- a top quality central midfielder would be a huge boost for us. I certainly don't believe um, he'd get in the way of, of the young players there. Um, I, I don't see how you can possibly uh, give any credence to that argument when, when Arsenal's clearly been after uh, the guy Chemak from Bordeaux as another forward, and you know if, if Chemak is not going to kind of kill. To, to employ Arsene's terminology if he's not going to kill someone like Vela who's already got, got God knows how many other people around him then I'd, I can't see how another sense midfielder would kill uh, like so Ramsey or De or or Diaby etc so I'd, I'd go defence then I'd go midfield um, I think up front is a peripheral thing and I think if Arsene if Arsene bought in defence in midfield field and didn't buy anyone up front I don't think there'd be too many complaints you've got to remember we went uh, last summer I don't think I think I'm right in saying that the players we lost were Layman, uh, Gilberto, and Flamini, um, and Cleb. Yes, Cleb, lost, but we bought her. We had we had Nasri coming in the place, and replacing. We also had Vela coming into the squad. Will come into the squad, and then in January we had Arshavin coming into the squad. So I mean, you, you can technically argue that we're we're two forwards up or two attacking players up compared mm. to uh, compared to this time a year a year ago or, or at the end of the previous season, I should say. Um, so I don't think anyone would would really argue that we're desperately short up front. There is a slight issue about which of our strikers if any can play as a lone front man. I think Eduardo can. I think Benton should learn, so I can't see why he won't. He hasn't been great up front on his own as yet. And I don't think Van Persie is as terrible there, as some people would say.
1: Gilberto Silver, what's your priority in terms of signings? If you were, if you were doing the business, what would you be doing?
5: Well, I think out of sheer habit, I sort of am still desperate to see a central midfielder come in. I just feel like it's been two years or however long it's been. And I'm just not sufficiently impressed by the current incumbents for that sort of desire to have gone away. So I would still like to see someone come in, in the defensive midfield position. I agree that centre back is starting to look a little bit light um, with, with Torre and Sendros uh, seemingly out, out the door um, I also think goalkeeper, I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, an older goalkeeper brought into the squad, someone that towards the end of their career, um, Mark Poom's doing some coaching now, but someone a bit like when he came in, just to provide a bit of cover, because I've seen Vito Minone play a few times, Uh, he's the current third choice, and he doesn't fill me with confidence, Um, so I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of experience, cover brought in there behind Fabianzki and Almunia. son I, I, I can't see the need for a striker at all. I have to say I find mm. it bizarre uh, i mean uh, if you look at the fr- if we're going to play four three three which we, we looks like we may well do even if it's four four two you're looking at people who can play that lone striker role as as uh, the just mentioned we've got uh, Bentner van Persie, and Eduardo and Chama's going to be competing for that position as well I, ju- I, I can't imagine being paid wide um it just seems bizarre and an unnecessary allocation of, you know, indulgent resources.
6: Indulgent, almost. Um, but we know that Arsene loves his strikers. You look back to 2000 and we had, you know, so many strikers and he went out and bought Francis Jeffords. You look back <laughs> to 2004, we had, you know, Bergkamp, Henri, Carnu, um and he goes out and he buys uh, Reyes, you know, and it's it's bizarre His the way he is a, almost obsessed to, you know, candy-eyed when he sees strikers but, but totally the opposite when he sees uh, defenders and central midfielders.
5: Mm. Well, he also loves a bargain, that's the thing and Chamak, you know, his contract's going to be up in a year and I think, you know, he sees it as an opportunity to get a decent player at a low fee and, you know, a player who probably will have resale value above whatever we pay but it does seem very strange, you know, it seems like we're with free with across the front, we have a way of making our strikers, you know, click you know And make sense in a way that they haven 't for a while, hopefully, but I almost feel like bringing Chamak would be interrupting that
1: yeah, I have to say I agree with that i mean if if there 's money to be spent. Uh, then I think it's got to go on defense and, and midfield. We definitely have enough strikers. I was saying on my blog last the end of last season that we could sell Adi Bayor and with this change of system, we wouldn't necessarily need to replace him. So it is confusing, but like Goodplay, as we know, he loves buying strikers. It's just, I don't know, it's just like his favorite pair of jeans or something. Okay, here's a question. Here's a question, and I I, I don't want to... Dwell on this, um, because we know there's time between now and the end of the uh, the end of August and the transfer window. As it stands, is this squad good enough to win the league?
6: No, <sighs> no, uh,
1: no. Okay, good player, you go first.
6: Um, to win the league nowadays, you've got to get well into eighty points, basically. Um, I don't quite think we've got the resilience, if you like, in defence and midfield. To do that, um, I think we we definitely need another central defender right. um, because otherwise, I think you you you're going to have a guy Silvestre play who is who is error prone. Um, I think we lack a bit in in central midfield. But I'm not overall. I'm actually quite positive because I think um, if you look at our results last year, we dropped we we did quite well against the big four teams, but so we might drop you know four or five points there. But but if you look at our results against the other teams, there are results there games there where, where we should be pick, really be picking up points. Um, similar scenario to two years ago at the end of 06, 07. We did very well that year against the big teams, our first one in the Emirates, um, and very badly against the poor team, against the lesser teams. Um, and the following season we, we went to 83 points because we just we stopped losing those ridiculous games. Um, so I'm actually quite positive. I, I genuinely believe we can get above 80 points. Uh, definitely Champions League position. Um, title... I think it's, I think would be optimistic at the moment.
1: All right, Gilberto Silva, um, can we not be encouraged by the fact that nobody else seems particularly stronger? Chelsea have only brought in Jurkov. Uh, Liverpool, um, they've bought a right back, that's where they've spent all their money. Manchester United are clearly weaker. Um, than they were. Sure. Um, so so is that not a positive thing for us, especially with a young squad? And if the manager is right, if these players are going to improve, he said, wait till these guys get to 23, 24 years of age. They're going to beat everybody. They are approaching that age now, uh, a lot of them. Yeah. Uh,
5: isn't it time? Um, I think we'll be better than last season. I, I'm confident about that. Um, though at times last season, we absolutely died. Obviously, second half, we really picked it up. I do agree that all the other top four sides are weaker and I think we will certainly be top four again this year uh, for all Cities buying. I still expect us to, to finish uh, in the Champions League positions. What I do think is that we, just, we can compete in terms of strikers and attacking players with anybody else in the league. I just feel that centrally the spine of the side is not established uh, and reliable in the same way it is at Liverpool United and certainly at Chelsea, as well um, and so I just find it very, very difficult to see us to see us winning the league this year
1: all right um that that said it 's the first game of the season uh, coming up tomorrow um, on a scale of one to ten. how much are you looking forward to it because I just can 't wait
0: <laughs> i'm
5: pretty excited, I have to say I think it 's a really tough game actually mm. away an in, in Everton side who who did very well last season who kept You know, the majority of their players, all their players, you know, I don't know if Tesco will go in the end. It seems, it seems likely just because of the amount of money that City have to throw around. But uh, they're a really solid team. They've got players on their way back from injury. So I think it's going to be tricky, um, but it's absolutely essential that we get a decent result because uh, we have got a really hard start to the season.
1: Mm, the start of the season, good player. its um, I don't think I can remember one as, as difficult as this. Everton away on the first uh, day of the season. We've got an away leg, a big, big game at Celtic Park uh, in the Champions League. A home game against Portsmouth, a home game against Celtic, away to Manchester United, away to Manchester City. And that brings us to the middle of September. Um, you know, they, they say you can't win the league in the first months of the season, but you, you can lose it.
6: Are you sure as hell can? And if, if you forget as well that we're we're missing around the Premier Premier League fixtures as well. Bolton at home now. Obviously we'll play that later in the season, but but by that time you know we could be out of the picture. So we, whatever happens, you know we, we're going to have dropped after five games. After everyone else has played five games, we're going to have dropped three points, if you like, in terms of there's no there's no prospects of us being on any more than twelve points, and and even even that seems fanciful, somewhat given our open open fixtures. You. Sometimes it's best just to get these things out of the way, just to go straight in headstrong. Um, if you're going to be shaky at the start of the season, you might as well be shaky at places where you might not generally expect to get three points. The worst thing is when you start losing to uh, to teams like Fulham, with all due respect to them, um, as you did last season, and 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 drawing stupid home games. Um, the, that 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 can be a real real problem when you start dropping silly points. Um, and I suppose as well, it's it's better to go to the northwest go to Scotland in August than it is, uh, or September, as uh, cities than it is to go in January or February. Hmm.
1: All right. Well, gents, um, let's look forward with uh, hope and optimism to the new season. Welcome back. Thank you both for your time. And uh, we'll talk to you as things progress.
5: Will do. Okay. Thanks a lot.
1: Thanks to Gilberto Silver from GunnerBlog.com and GoodPlayer from GoodPlayer.com, two blogs which should be on your reading list. Uh, Some interesting stuff ahead of the new season. Of course, a lot can change between now and August 31st. There's not a great deal of transfer business being done by anybody apart from the clubs with huge amounts of money. Um, Nobody else seems to be buying or selling, really. Uh, Whether that's uh, indicative of the market in general, I don't know. Arsenal, we've got our money, though. So we know that Wenger likes value, and I suppose the closer you get to the uh, end of the transfer window, the more chance you have of getting value. The danger you have, though, is as we saw with Chabi Alonso last season, is that it all gets left too late. And if things don't work out, which is very possible, it's so easy for a transfer to break down, then you're left kind of up the creek a bit. Uh, so um, while I do appreciate the need to make our money go as far as possible, given the start uh, to the season that we have... I would be a little more comforted if we decided to spend that, you know. Now, if we decided that maybe it's worth paying an extra five hundred thousand or a million or whatever for a player, you throw that around though. When you say it, throw an extra five hundred thousand or a million, and I'm listening to myself going, it's a million pounds. <sighs> I don't know. Um, hopefully, business will be done between now and the end of the uh, transfer window. That's as much as I'm going to say. Anyway, uh, still to come: uh, chat to uh, Kevin from the Lord of the Wing uh, about the Celtic game and uh, look ahead to the Everton game and all that. Right now, though, the man in the bar.
3: Where well, would you look and see with the cat dragged in? It's the earth Blogger himself. Haven't seen you, old summer. How's it been going? You're looking well enough, I have to say. You know, the uh, the beard's quite a nice touch. The white kind of gives away your age, though. Me, what have I been doing? Oh, you know, a man of my age, pottering round the garden, few points here and there, and, you know, a passionate affair with Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, no, really. Oh, the big freckly boobs on her, they were great. But don't tell anyone right, because she's supposed to be a lizard. It'll totally ruin her street cred. So what are you looking for? Player history, well, predictions... Oh, you've kind of put me on the spot there, I suppose, but um, hmm. off the top of my head, my predictions will be as follows. Um, Phil Brown, having shown the world what a cunt he was last season, will get such a hard time from fans all around the country that he'll take to hard drugs. The only problem might be finding someone close to him to supply them, if you know what I mean. Um, Who will be top scorer in the league? Ah, here's one for you. Wolves will be bottom of the league at Christmas time, and they will sign Malcolm Christie. And everyone will go, ah, look at Wolf. Uh, Thirty-six goals later, Wolves will have the last laugh. David Bentley will be loaned out to Buttercup FC, who play in the Cumbrian Third Division because he's little more than an alcoholic, drunk-driving, crash-your-car cunt. Nobody wants them on their team. Certainly not Arsenal. Steven Gerrard. What will he do this season? I suspect Steven Gerrard will walk into a bar, ask a DJ to play Phil Collins, and when he doesn't, he'll take out an AK-47 and kill every single person in there. Even his mates who would take the fall for him. Nevertheless, it'll go to court and the judge will say, Off you go. Uh, Thomas Rositsky and Owen Hargreaves will get together and build a super hospital to try and fix their injury problems, Uh, but it still won't be enough to see them play more than ten games a season. And by season, I mean life. Carlo Ancelotti, the new Chelsea manager, will be found dead, hanging under London Bridge after just 33 days of the new season in an eerie mirror image of Pope John Paul I. When the police question Roman Abramovich, he'll just go, What? What? Until they go away. Andy Gray will say, TICKABOO, SON, at least 17 times this season, I predict. All of those times will be when he's in court as a character witness for Steven Gerrard, and not one person will notice Gerrard's cock in his mouth. And final prediction for the season ahead, no matter what happens, the Arsenal will be the only team worth a shit. The rest of them will remain the terrible, awful, massive, diplodocus, double-fucking-cunts that they are. And you know
4: what? It's true. Yeah.
1: Thank you to the man in the bar, and he'll be back on the Arsecast as the season progresses. Now, we're going to jump ahead of the weekend and look ahead to Tuesday night when we play Celtic in the Champions League qualifying round. Uh, We've been here before. Last season it was FC20. Steve McLaren's team before that. I think it was Sparta Prague. So we've been through this uh, experience before. And I know there are many Arsenal fans that will have thought, well, Celtic, yes, they're not that great. It's the Scottish League. But, but, you have to remember that Celtic um, have a very good record at home in the Champions League. In the last few seasons, they've beaten Man United. They've beaten AC Milan. They've beaten, who else? Could have been Villarreal, someone like that. Uh, and they've drawn with United as well. So they've got a good record at home, and they're more than capable uh, of producing a result. So we have to be a little bit on our guard going there. It's not going to be the walkover that everybody thinks. Uh, I don't think so, at least. So with me now uh, to talk about the game is the only Celtic blogger I could find, who just so happens to be on Ole Ole. Uh, It's Kevin from the Lord of the Wing. Hello there. Hello there. Tell us a little bit about uh, uh, Celtic's team. Are you better than you were last season?
2: they are very, very similar. Um, We've added a few players. Mark-Anton Fortuny, who seems like a centre-forward to Disney-like scoring goals. (laughs) Um, Left-back Danny Fox was thinking for Coventry City. He looks like a bit of a player, eh? He's got... He's got quite a few England under twenty one caps and we've had a left back problem for years and it looks like he might solve it. I've been very well impressed with him with the first couple of games that he's played. But the Joe in the crown is the either that we've signed for non set, but we've actually only got him on one, laundry and Gemmo. He's everything bar a national player in name. Right. He's one of these he's one of these players that I only thought Arsene Wenger found in Paris and you know, orphanages and things like that. Eh? He's a fantastic football player. Um, we've only got him on loan, eh? so I'm hoping that we really do sign him up quite quick because
5: Arsene Wenger might like,
1: kidnap him. All right, and you've got, of course, a new manager as well, Tony Mowbray. Now, I know from speaking to you in the past that uh, Gordon Strachan was not the most popular man in Glasgow at the best of times. Um, maybe Tony Mowbray wasn't the guy uh, with the pedigree that that maybe Celtic fans were, were hoping for, but from what we saw last year in the Premier League, he likes to play uh, good attacking football um How do you think I mean obviously after the uh, the the qualification uh, game in in Moscow it might have uh, killed a few doubts that Celtic fans had about him. what's the general feeling about him and what he's going to bring to the club?
2: I think, really, after stratting, as you say, we could have put Samar Bin Laden in charge and we would have been happy about it. (laughs) Uh, But Mowbray was the best that we could have got. I mean, basically, our squad is with a bottom six EPL side, uh, Premier League side. Um, Mowbray seems to have a decent football philosophy and that's what we're looking for. I mean, the last 18 months under Gordon Stratton, the football that they played was absolutely terrible and particularly the last six months under Stratton, it's the worst football I've seen in 15 years. It was really, really bad. Mm. Mowbray's came in, he's changed changed the style of the team. Obviously, he's watching West Brom last year, he's know what to expect. He's got a bit of philosophy. He knows that he needs to bring through youngsters. He basically, he, he basically bought in the idea uh, that the PLC want us to be like Arsenal, mm. they want us to be self-sufficient, young attacking side, um, buy players from nothing, sell them for millions. So Mowbray bought into that, I, I hate seeing the Celtic minded, he knows what the club's about, eh, which mm. is always a help. It's, 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 always a, it's very hard to attract people to the Scottish league, and you can only attract people. I think that I've had a connection with, with Celtic, who understand how big the club is. Mowbray ticked all the boxes, really. So, I'm I'm quite happy. His result in Moscow was fantastic. Uh, we controlled the game from start to finish, playing good attack football, and it's something that we haven't seen for us for at least eighteen months. So we're quite
1: pleased. Mm. All right. Well, going into this uh, game on Tuesday, and then the, the second leg. I know people will look at the Scottish league and the difference in quality between them and and the Premier League and you say yourself uh, that Celtic is like a bottom six Premier League team. Nevertheless, at home Celtic have pulled off some incredible results in the Champions League in in the last few years and I know a lot of Arsenal fans will have gone Celtic great. But I I think uh, I think we probably need to be a bit cautious There's a great atmosphere in the ground. Um, Is there the expectation or or at least the hope that you can pull off a similar uh, result against Arsenal? Uh,
2: I think the atmosphere at Celtic Park is to none on a European night. I think if UEFA had to bottle a Champions League atmosphere perfume or aftershave, it would be at Celtic Park. Mm. I call it like the Euro Disney. In the Champions League yeah. and any Arsenal fan that's travelling up for the game, they're going to be blown away. It's really, it's really special. It's here standing on the back of the neck stuff. It really is. But I recommend anybody to get there at least half an hour before the kick-off because the, the place will be getting whipped up into a frenzy. Um, at home, I, I think they do fancy our chances against anybody and. I know the difference in the quality side, and but for that, when you get to that five minutes just before the kick-off, the place is bouncing. We reckon we can take anybody. Uh, it's maybe a bit of the Scottishness, but a <laughs> G- Glaswegian come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. Eh? But uh, if, if we score first, we'll take the roof off the place. Bono and that at Hamden will hear us, and we'll hope they've got a big enough PA because if we score first, we'll probably drown them in it.
1: I don't think there'll be too many people complaining about that. Um, well, we, we better leave it there for, for now, for this week. What we'll do is we'll come back to you, of course, after the, uh, after the first leg. We'll, we'll uh, preview the second leg together. So uh, I won't wish you good luck, but thanks a million. That's Kevin from Lord of the Wing. Thanks
2: very much.
1: Thanks to Kevin from the Lord of the Wing. And if you want to check out his blog, you can do that by going to www.oleole.com forward slash blogs forward slash the Lord of the Wing. Certainly the best Celtic blog out there by a country mile. So uh, do check it out if you're that way inclined. Uh, We'll go back to Saturday, that's tomorrow, and the first day of the season. The first game of the season is against Everton, who we've played twice in recent years on the opening day of the season. Won both of them, uh, 2-1 in 2004-2005, or no, that was uh, 2003-2004, the invincible season. And the next season we played them the opening day of the season and beat them 4-1 as well. Uh, It's been nine years since we lost on the opening day of the season, that was against Sunderland in 2000-2001. However, you can't help go into this game, but be a little bit worried and concerned about the injuries that we've got. Um, Lukas Fabianski is out for the next two months. So this goes back to something Gilberto Silver was saying a little bit earlier on um, when he mentioned a bit more experience in the goalkeeping department. I hadn't thought about it at all, really, I have to say. But with Fabianski out for two months, an injury to Almunia, Leaves us with nineteen-year-olds in goal. We've got uh, Manone, who's nineteen or twenty, and Szczesny, um and that's my best a- uh, approximation at how his name is pronounced. A young Polish guy, and uh, you know that's a bit that's a bit worrying. So you do wonder if he might make a Mark Poom type uh, signing and bring in a bit of experience in the goalkeeping department. We're going to have to put um, Almuni in bubble wrap after every game, uh, the way things are at the moment. Johan Juru's out for a month. And he's one of our first three central defenders. He's out for a month. Philippe Senderos, as far as I know, and the situation with Senderos is that he has agreed to join Everton. I'm not sure what the holdup is, but I'm told the deal is, you know, is done as far as um, the player is concerned. Everything's done. So it's unlikely that he'll be around. So we've got Vermaelen, who's uh, been out with a hamstring injury. He did play 45 minutes in midweek for Belgium, Um, but we know the manager is a little bit cautious at times. Uh, blooding new signings, I don't think he's got any choice this time. I know he's not paying £10 million for a centre-half to put him on the bench, but, you know, he does like to ease new signings into the season uh, as it progresses. However, if it's a choice between Vermallon and Sylvester, which is the only choice at the moment, then he's really got to he's got to play Vermallon. But again, he's got to look at that area of the pitch. He's got to look at a centre half, and he's got to look at a defensive midfielder because you're looking at Alex Song maybe trying to fill in at centre half, if we get another injury or two. And there we have our central midfielder, our defensive central midfield player playing at centre half. Um, as well as that, we've got Rositsky out. Um, obviously because he's he's Rositsky, and it's sad and unfortunate, but that's that's just um the way Rositsky is we can't necessarily rely on him. Nazri's out with his broken leg, as we know. Theo Walcott is out with a back injury. Abu Diaby has got a groin problem. Now, Walcott's injuries and Diaby's injuries aren't serious. It's a matter of days, according to the manager. Diaby could be fit uh, for Saturday. All the same, we're going into the the very first game of the season with five or six players out through injury. And we haven't even got started yet. And we do tend to pick up injuries as the season goes along. So when things do get a bit hectic and the games start coming thick and fast and players start dropping, it's it's hard not to worry. It really is. And he's got to look at the depth of the squad. He really has to. I think on the eve of the new season, I'm as optimistic and hopeful and, and excited as anybody. But when you're looking at going into the season with five or six players out injured for the first game, it's like, oh, come on. Something's got to give. And if we can't keep our players fit, we've got to buy players who can stay fit, if that makes sense. Because it's the same suspects for the most part. Juru had persistent knee problems last season. This is obviously a part of that. Rosicki, Diaby can't stay fit for more than four or five games at a time. And eventually you have to say, I can't rely on these players. I'm going to have to bring in players that will stay fit for 80%, 90%, 100% of the games. We need to look at uh, the situation as it is right now. We're five or six players out before the first game of the season. Um, not that we're down to bare bones, but we're too close to using the bare bones than anybody would like at this part of the season. So you know, the money is there for him to buy. He's got to go buy. I don't want to get off on a negative trip because um, uh, it's the first arse cast of the season, the first game of the season. As I said, I'm optimistic our record on the opening day of the season is good. Everton are a good team. We're also a good team. I think we won there last season. No reason why we can't go and do it again. On uh, From an attacking point of view, we've got uh, Bentner. We've got Eduardo. We've got Arshavin. We should have Vela. We've got players who can score goals. So from that point of view I'm not I'm not really that worried. I think we can go I think we can get a good result at Everton. We really need to get off to a good start this season. We really do. It's vital that we get points on the board. Uh, and while this game could have been easier and we do have a lot of injuries, I still feel confident that we can go and win the game. Um so while like I said, I don't want to be negative. I don't think it's um wise to ignore the issues that are there. I don't think it's being unduly negative um, to worry about those things, but let's uh, let's finish on a, a positive note and keep our fingers crossed for the season, uh, keep our fingers crossed for a good result tomorrow that this team can grow up a bit, that they can show that what happened to them last season, um, they've learned from it, that they can continue the sort of run in the league that they put together uh, post-Christmas, that the complacency that was present, that saw us lose games like the Fulham game, like the Hull game, like the Stoke game, that that complacency is gone. That every single player goes out there tomorrow and gives 100% fights for the shirt, for the badge, for the club, because they all know how important this season is. Arsene Wenger must know how important this season is. He's got to drill that into his players. We need things to go well from the start. And fingers crossed we can do that from tomorrow. So um, I think I've waffled on quite long enough. Um, so we'll leave it there for this week. Um, have yourselves a very good weekend. Come on the arse. The season's back. Football is back. We're here from now until May through ups and downs and swings and roundabouts. But well, that's what football's all about. And that's why we love it. Talk to you next week on the Arsecast. And, of course, all week on the blog. Until then, take it easy. Cheers. Bye-bye.
2: Uh, Ladies and gentlemen,
4: thank you all very much for coming down this morning. Uh, If I could introduce myself briefly, my name is Aubrey Clunge-Dipper. I'm the local Green Party constituent. And as you can see, we've got an environmental disaster on our hands here. On the beach in front of you lies... A stranded bottlenose dolphin is washed up just a few short hours ago, but unless we get it back into the water straight away, it's more than likely going to die. As you can see, it's already as dry as a nun's fanny. So, in just a few moments' time, we're going to take ropes, and other bits of equipment, and try and haul this beautiful creature back into the sea. Uh, Before we do that, though, did you know a small fact about Dolphins is that they're all born Spurs fans. It's entirely true. Scientists have no idea why this happened, but Dolphins have a predisposition to the football played by Tottenham Hotspurs. As far as we know, they're the only creatures intelligence enough to support a football team. And you there, you with... The Arsenal says, What is it you're doing with that iron bar? What? Oh, geez. Stop that Oh, stop. Oh, God. Oh, there's dolphin brains all over my willies. Oh, this is despicable. Oh, oh. You can go home, ladies and gentlemen. The Spurs fan is dead. Oh.